Good evening, Broadway Baptist Church. Uh, it is my pleasure to uh, be preaching this evening to you. And I got to say, this is my first time to ever uh, preach to an internet crowd exclusively. So uh, I'm excited to bring the word. Uh, a lot's different, but in some, in many ways, uh, nothing else changes. But we are still uh, bringing the word to you. Uh, God's word is living and active and uh, no matter the means of communication, as long as his word is preached, uh, we are called to worship and to obey. So uh, I am excited uh, to preach this evening for you all and to you all. And, um, and with that said, uh, let, let's join in worship. I'd like to lead us in a prayer and, uh, and we can get started. Lord, we thank you for today and all your many gifts to us. Uh, Lord, May we look to you at all times. May we have a clear uh, vision and focus on what you want from us and what you desire out of us and how we can be obedient uh, to the calling you have on our lives. Uh, Father, would you empower and embolden people uh, who are hearing this by your Holy Spirit so that uh, we would proclaim the good news of Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. All right, so I, I will do my best. Um, I, I honestly will preach as if I'm preaching to a room full of people. So uh, I, I am certainly uh, aware of what's going on and uh, very looking forward to getting into the Word. So with that, um, you, I hope you have your Bible handy. We'll be looking at several different passages. I'll give you a forewarning to Acts chapter 4. Uh, you can turn to Acts chapter 4, and we will be getting into that there. So... Um, you know, this, this has been an interesting time, and in the midst of all this, uh, the Southern Baptist Convention, which normally uh, would, you know, would have been meeting uh, this summer, is not happening. However, there's still some things that they are doing that they did do, uh, that they were able to do remotely, teleconference. Uh, and, and some of those things include the report on numbers, just strictly the numbers of the Southern Baptist Convention. And last week, some of those numbers were released, and... They were not exactly encouraging at all. I want to go over a few of those. There was a 288,000 uh, person decline in membership. So our membership roles at church has declined by 288,000 people. Uh, currently, there's around 14 million members. And that is down about 2 million members from a peak that was around the 2007 time. So, you know, in 13 years, we've dropped about 2 million people in our denomination. The average weekly worship attendance is 5.2 million. Now, right there, that should tell us there is a major disconnect between those numbers of our membership and those who are actually attending on a weekly basis. Uh, you know, now, obviously, we know people you know, are sometimes unable to be at church, people are on vacation, people are visiting family. But that big of a disparity, you know, this isn't like a one million person disparity, a two million person disparity. This is a nine million person disparity between weekly worship attendance and the membership on our roles. So this is a major disconnect. And I think a, a great cause for concern, and it should lead us to ask a lot of questions uh, about uh, you know, members in our churches, and you know, we know that there there are people that fill up our pews that we you know we think they're saved simply because they come to church. 
but these, there's a lot of people in our pews as Southern Baptists, perhaps in this church even, that they do not know God. They have not been reconciled to God. And so uh, this should be a heavy burden upon us. Another number uh, is, is giving, and this one's an encouraging number. Giving overall is relatively steady, so despite the drop in numbers, giving has remained about the same, around $11 billion annually. And you know, I think this kind of makes sense, um, because generally you have the people who are giving are always the ones giving. Uh, they're, they're the most faithful people, so uh, that number is steady for the most part. Uh, but next are, are really, uh, the next one's really one of the most, uh, I think, discouraging numbers there is. And it's that baptisms have declined to the lowest amount since World War II. So a nearly 80-year low in baptisms. And this should be a massive alarm for us as a denomination. Uh, and, and this is really going to be driving uh, so much of the message today. And how do we respond to that? Uh, because that is a, a hard thing to hear. Uh, now, despite that, there are, um, well, in, in line with that, there are regions that we would consider strongholds of the faith and of the denomination in, in, in the Bible Belt uh, that are on the decline. Okay, and, and these numbers all suggest that. But there is some good news in that many, not all, but many of the North American Mission Board-focused areas, their sin cities and the states where the gospel witness is, is very lacking, they have seen an increase in numbers. So that's really encouraging that the North American Mission Board and their missionaries and their church planners are reaching people. The gospel is being proclaimed and people are responding. And it should be obvious why these, matter, why these numbers matter to us. They tell a story of what is happening in the denomination. And so some of these things include, you know, what is happening in the denomination. They include that we are good at giving to things that we care about. We will give to causes, give to things, give to our church, uh, give to church building projects, give to missions. We will give to all kinds of things that we care about. And that's a very good thing. Uh, another is that we are good at being compassionate and kind, and those are things that we're called to do as Christians. I, you know, I, I believe that the church, not just Southern Baptists, but the whole church of, of what is Christ, are the most compassionate and kind people on the planet. Uh, and you really could not convince me otherwise. People will try to assume otherwise, will try to say otherwise, but we are compassionate and kind, and those are good things. Uh, now, something that is not present in the numbers, and another good thing, uh, is that I think we as Southern Baptists especially, we are good in our doctrine for the most part. You know, there's, there's some out there we would probably heavily disagree with who still remain Southern Baptists, but our doctrine, by and large, we, we are clear on and we are faithful to the gospel and we would say, yes, they have good doctrine, good, sound doctrine. So those are all three good things. Um, and two of those we see directly from those numbers, I think. But perhaps more than anything, these stats show are that we are failing at evangelism. We are failing to preach the good news of Jesus. And I was trying to think of, of some kind of analogy for this. 
And it's like we have all the talent. We have all the God-given talent there is, but we lack the basic fundamentals. You can think, apply that to any sport or you know, any, any skill. You can have all the God-given talent in the world, but if you don't understand and commit to doing the fundamentals, you will not succeed. And evangelism is really, it is one of the fundamentals, if not the fundamental of our faith and how we practice it is that we share the good news of Jesus. And, you know, there's a terrible phrase that is popular and I really despise it. I hate this phrase as a Christian and you should too. And you've probably heard it and it goes something like this, preach the gospel at all times and when necessary, use words. And perhaps you're sitting there thinking, yeah, I've heard that, and, uh, and you're familiar with it. And I'm afraid that even if we don't believe that phrase, you may understand and, and theologically get that, yeah, I, I don't subscribe to that phrase. But in our theology, we may not believe that in our theology, but how we live it out in our lives that is actually what we do. We may live out that theology in our lives, even though we don't actually believe it in our minds. And yes, of course, your deeds matter. It is important what we do. And, and our, our faith without works is dead, James says. But our faith must be proclaimed. And it is impossible, impossible to have a gospel witness without speaking the gospel, without telling the good news verbally, it is impossible to have a gospel witness otherwise. And this leads us to our text today, Acts chapter 4, uh, verses 1 through 31. Uh, here we see uh, just how much actually speaking the gospel with boldness matters. Uh, this is a, a wonderful passage, and I hope you've got your Bible ready, your turn to Acts chapter 4. I'm going to read that whole passage, uh, so let's read it together. And as they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they arrested them and put them in custody until the, day, until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the word believed, and the number of men came to about 5,000. On the next day, the rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem with Annas, the high priest, and Caiaphas, and John, and Alexander, and all who were of the high priestly family. And when they had set them in the midst, they inquired, By what power or by what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and people of it, and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, God, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. 
But seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. But when they had commanded them to leave the council, they conferred with one another, saying, What shall we do with these men? For that a notable sign has been performed through them is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But in order that it may spread no further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name. So they called them and charged them not to speak or to teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. And when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way to punish them. Because of the people, for all were praising God for what had happened. For the man whom was on... For the man on whom this sign of healing was performed was more than 40 years old. When they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, why do the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the people of it, peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threats, and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. I chose this passage because I believe we are so distracted by chasing the times, trying to be relevant and palatable to the culture. And yes, it's good to have a good reputation for the right reasons uh, among the Gentiles, among unbelievers. But this season in our country is demonstrating that no matter how much good you do or how much you say the right things, if your doctrine opposes the world you are the enemy of the world and they will come after you you will be canceled you will be silenced at least the world would like to silence you right they would like to try and keep you quiet but as christians we cannot be silent and that's exactly what peter uh, and the other disciples were saying listen you can tell us to do something but ultimately we are going to please the lord we will speak up we will preach the gospel and so, some context for this passage, uh, you know, Peter and the disciples, the apostles, they are preaching the gospel and performing miracles. Of course, the Holy Spirit had come upon them, the apostles had um, the gifts of, of performing miracles, and thousands and thousands are coming to believe. At this point, you know, we've had, you know, a couple different occasions, 3,000, 5,000 uh, people coming to believe. So, these are large groups of people who all of a sudden are going from unbelievers to belief, to believing in the resurrected Christ, to believing in a resurrection. 
But the Sadducees, who did not believe in the resurrection and were the ruling class, they were greatly bothered by it. They were disturbed. They were annoyed. And, of course, they thought that they were the right ones. And uh, they wanted to put an end to this. They did not want this going on. So they're going to try and stop Peter and the apostles from doing it. And uh, verses 1 and 2 of the passage, which I'll, I'll reread real quick. It says, And as they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And these verses demonstrate that it was the gospel that was the offense. The gospel, the message of Jesus and the resurrection was offensive to the Sadducees. And they wanted to put an end to it. Preaching the gospel will offend those who are most opposed to it. We have to understand that. And there are times when we preach, people will be receptive. They will be those who are eager, who've been waiting to hear. And, and that happens. I've seen that um, in my own life personally with people I've ministered to, where, man, they're, they're ready to hear. It's like they've been waiting for someone to tell them. But there will be others who will be greatly opposed because ultimately they are so opposed to God. In verse 4, it demonstrates that others will hear the gospel uh, and believe. So, of course, verse 4, verse four. but many of those who had heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to about 5,000. So there are those, those 5,000 who they were ready to hear. They needed the word to be preached uh, so they could respond to the message. So there are people out there waiting to be heard. Yes, some will oppose it. Some will hate you for it. But the others are ready to hear the word, and we've got to be faithful to proclaim it. Now, Romans uh, ten seventeen. what's it say? Faith comes through hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. Faith does not come by seeing. You know, we are so accustomed you know, to the phrase, seeing is believing. But according to God's word, it is hearing. It is hearing his word. You know, what did the Pharisees demand? They, they wanted signs from Jesus. Do more signs, do more signs, do more signs. And of course, Jesus did not indulge those things. Jesus had done so many miracles. Uh, John, at the end of the Gospel of John, says, listen, the books of the world could not contain all the works of Jesus. Faith comes through hearing. It is the preaching of the Gospel that changes hearts and changes lives. For people to receive faith, they must hear the good news of Jesus in words spoken to them. Of course, you know, this would apply, I think, to reading them as well. Um, in verses 6 and 7, the Sadducees ask where their power comes from. So where is the power that the apostles have? Where does it come from? And Peter answers them. Um, he answers uh, you know, their obvious question, uh, right? It comes from God. Their power is not of their own. They didn't, they didn't conjure up this power. This power comes by way of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit had been poured out of them. They have God residing in them. And that is where their power comes from. And of course, again, Romans, I think, sheds more light on this. In Romans 1, verse 16, and it tells us that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation, first to the Jew, then to the Greek, um, Right it is the gospel that is the power. 
The power of God is found in the message of the gospel. We want the power of God to be manifested uh, you know, in our neighborhood, in our city, in our country, across the world. The power of God is manifested through the preaching of God's word. That is where we see it. And we must cling to that and be faithful to that. And that's why Paul was not ashamed. He wasn't ashamed to preach the good news because this is the power of God. His word will change lives. His word will lead people to repentance and to life. It is the words of the gospel that have the power in them. And the Holy Spirit works through that message. And we cannot lose focus of our message. It's really easy, and this is where uh, you know, I, I think we need to focus on. The mission of what we do is the message of Jesus. Again, it's very easy to get distracted. It's easy to lose focus. And there's, there's, things, there's, there's things that happen all around us in our culture. There's always something going on. And we, as a church, we do have an obligation and responsibility to answer those things, to rightly divide the word of truth, to respond to those things, to be the voice, um, you know, in the, the voice and the light and the darkness. But we cannot allow those things uh, to let us lose our focus on the message of the gospel. And what is that message? Let's read verses 10 through 12. I think, uh, I think it might be on the screen. Verses 10 through 12. Um, Acts chapter 4, 10 through 12. Let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified. So there he says, listen, Jesus, this man, we crucified. So Peter is calling out. And this, Peter had said this already before. You crucified him. You and I, we crucified. Our sin crucified Jesus. We are not innocent in the crucifixion of Jesus. We know the old hymn, it was my sin that held him there until it was accomplished. It's our sin. We crucified him. But whom God raised from the dead. So, Christ was raised from the dead by God. And by him, this man is standing before you well. So the man that was healed was healed through Jesus, is what he's saying. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has now become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. There is nothing else that can save anyone. Only Jesus. Only this message. The world is crying out for answers. People have no idea how to think rationally about really any topic. What, what they want for themselves, they do not apply the same measure and same grace to someone else. We live in an upside-down world and an upside-down time. And the message and the answer is Jesus. The salvation comes through Jesus. The salvation does not come through a political means, through revolutionary means. It comes through Jesus. Ephesians 2.8, by grace you have been saved. There's no other way of salvation. 
comes through Jesus. And it's a gift of God so that you and I cannot boast. We cannot brag and boast that we did something, that we brought about something in us. It is the work and the gift of God. But that comes through, that faith comes by hearing. So who is going to preach? And here's what I want us to see in where we have failed in proclaiming the message, right? We have failed by subconsciously thinking uh, that for people to be saved, they need more than the Word of God to save them. And again, I don't think this is always intentional. I think this is just sometimes how we are. We aren't always, we may understand theology and doctrine in our head, but in our lives, in our sinful nature, we may not always live that out. And sub- subconsciously, we think there's something more they need. If we answer this specific topic well enough, that, that will draw them closer to God. And I, I, I see this a lot right now. In, in the last few weeks, a lot of this. There's a lot of hope to say just the right thing. And, and some of that's okay. Some of that is good. But there is much being lost. And I heard a, a friend of mine who's a, a pastor in Minnesota in the Minneapolis area. He said a great thing. He's like, he, he said something to the effect that we have lost our saltiness in this. In so much of this. So we, may, we, we have great intentions. We have good intentions. And we want to please the Lord. But the moment we fail to proclaim Christ and his, Him crucified and the need for people to repent and turn to Him lest they face judgment. Uh, if we fail to do that, we are failing uh, as messengers and ambassadors of Christ. Because that is the only message that brings hope. They do not need more than the Word of God to save them. They need the Word of God to save them. They, they don't need anything else. Matthew 4.4 4. What does it say? It says, man does not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the Father. Yes, you know, physical bread is good. It nourishes us. It sustains us. It keeps us alive. But ultimately, that is not what we need the most. And people are starving for more than just bread. People are starving for the gospel, and we have it. When... You see anarchy in the streets. When you see pain and mourning and all kinds of things, we have the answer and the message that comes through Jesus and His death on the cross, accomplishing what He set out to accomplish by living the perfect life and taking our place and resurrecting on the third day and ascending to the right hand of the Father. For those that believe and repent, Those will not perish, but have everlasting life. People are starving for that message. And we have it. We cannot forget it. We can't get distracted. Because there is much going on. And this has just really weighed on me. And it's been convicting in my own life. As I I, uh, talk to my neighbors, I live in a new neighborhood. It's not just I'm in a new neighborhood. The whole neighborhood's new. And I'm meeting neighbors left and right. And my next door neighbors... um, are a family from India, and there's just some wonderful opportunities for me there. I've gotten to know them a little more, but at some point, I'm going to have to open my mouth and proclaim the gospel. They know I'm a Christian. 
They know I, I, I've done mission work in India, but I need to be faithful to preach the gospel to them, to tell them about what Jesus did for them. I can talk about all these worldly answers to the problems going on, but ultimately none of that matters if I'm not proclaiming Jesus and Him crucified. So, four points to close. Uh, first is that preaching requires boldness. Preaching requires boldness. Unashamedly sharing the gospel, it is not palatable to the culture. There's going to be a lot of people that won't like it. It may have been palatable at one point in America, but those days are long gone, and we all know that. And I want to be really specific here because, you know, when I say unashamedly sharing the gospel, I think, I think there is a place for internet evangelism. I, I know people have got saved through that. I'm not talking, though, about sharing memes on Facebook. That's not what I'm talking about. That's not evangelism. You sharing a meme on Facebook is not evangelism. I am talking about you engaging personally with someone, your neighbor, a family member, a person you just happen to meet, and sharing Christ with them verbally. You opening your mouth. That's what I'm talking about. And it, it's not palatable to the culture. But there are people waiting to hear that message. Some will reject it. Many may reject it. But we are called to be faithful. Preaching requires boldness. And that is certainly what Peter and the apostles had. So uh, another thing we see. I said four points. I can't count because um, there's five points to close. <laughs> uh, uh, God's approval is what matters most, not men's. And so... Uh, verses 19 and 20. See, we see that very clearly. God's approval matters most, not men's. Verse 19 through 20. But Peter and John answered them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather to, than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. All right, he says, listen. You may be telling us one thing, and you can, you can tell us that. I mean, we can't stop you from telling us that. But ultimately, we answer to God. You and I answer to God. And I hope that we have the boldness and, and the faith. I think this is where faith really comes in uh, to seeing that, you know, does it really matter what other people may think of us in this time? If we're faithful to what God has called us to do, if we're brave, God will be glorified in that. And it is his approval that matters. We want his approval, not men's. Verse 21, I think we see, and this is the third point, that God is glorified when we preach the gospel. And when they had heard, and when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way to punish them because of the people, for all were praising God for what had happened. Now, this man had been healed here. A miracle had occurred. Uh, but ultimately, God was glorified. And, you know, they, they may have not even cared. If they just healed the man and kind of went on, they may have not cared. But here they healed the man, and then they're preaching the gospel also. And when we preach the gospel, God is glorified. No matter what. 
no matter if they hate you or they love you, no matter how they respond, God is happy. God looks down and smiles at that. So when we preach the gospel, God is glorified. Next is God humiliates his enemies when we preach. Uh, Verses 24 uh, through 28. God humiliates his enemies when we preach. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, this is, this is who we want to please. We want to please the creator of the world who made the universe and everything in it. Who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, why did the, nation, why did the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and his anointed. For truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. No matter how much opposition there is, no matter how much hatred we could face in these days for being faithful, God wins. I mean, this is is the story of the Bible. God defeats his enemies and he is glorified. He humiliates them. They cannot win. They can win the culture war. And they probably will. But they cannot stop the church. The gates of hell will not prevail against the church and against the gospel. We are invincible in that fact. Our, our bodies can be taken our physical lives on this earth can be taken. So things can happen to us. But we are invincible. We have a hope far greater and far better than what the world has. And, you know, there, there may be a place for some of the culture war. Uh, I'm not going to get into all that. I think part of our witness is to be bold and to stand up for what is right and right what is true. And that's part of our gospel witness. But... If, if we lose that, that's not the most important thing for us as Christians. The most important thing for us is that we're faithful to our witness and we continue to preach the gospel. I, mean, I don't know, I, you know I'm, I'm not a prophet, um, uh, uh, but I have many doubts, I have many questions about what the future of this country holds over the next, I mean, 10 years, 5 years, I mean, it's, it's just... It's crazy. Many of you have seen a lot. Many of you have lived through a lot. And you may be saying, I've never seen something like this in our country. We don't know what is before us. My prayer for myself, for this church, for you, is that no matter what, we remain faithful. Because it may get much more difficult. It could become very, very difficult very difficult for us. And we need to be sober-minded about that and always keep our eye on the prize. Uh, Last point, God gives us more boldness when we preach and pray. Uh, We see that in verse 31. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. When we preach 
the gospel, and when we pray, it should give us more boldness. I've experienced this in my own life many times. I, I, the best way, you know, if, you, if you're like feeling down, if you're like, man, I, just, I don't feel close to God, I'm, I'm struggling in my faith, and, and that leads to issues of sharing the gospel. It does make it more difficult to share the gospel and to preach the gospel when you may not feel near to God, when you may not be uh, living the life God has called you to live. But when, preaching the gospel to someone, that is like a, a shot of adrenaline for your faith. And it, it doesn't matter how they respond. Just sharing the gospel, is, it gives you boldness uh, and, and emboldens you to continue to do that. And I think we see that very clearly from verse 31. We're going to keep preaching the word. We're going to keep praying. We're going to pray that God would empower our witness. That people would come to believe. And, and each time we do, it, we do it, we're going to have more and more boldness. And this is what we need as a church and for all Christians really. Not just Broadway, not just the Southern Baptist Convention, but all faithful churches. The glory days are long gone. But this should strengthen your resolve and your boldness. I think there's much going on in the church. I think there's a lot of sifting right now in the church in America. Sifting out those who are believers versus those who, who never were among us. I think there's a lot of that happening right now. This should strengthen your resolve and your boldness. We cannot live a gospel that only preaches when it is easy. We have to be ready to preach it when it is hard. And we should be more bold now than ever. We do it in love and we do it as the salt of the earth. But we do it with conviction and boldness because this is a message that saves. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you for the powerful witness of the apostles in Acts that through their preaching, Lord, this is our heritage. This is not a fairy tale, Lord. This is our history as a church. The history of Broadway Baptist Church goes all the way back to the apostles, to Peter and the apostles preaching for not shutting up when they were told to shut up, for not being quiet when they were told to be quiet, Lord, but for being bold in the midst of persecution, in the midst of hatred, in the midst of beatings. Lord, and this is a story that, that continued for centuries. The church has always been a target of the world. But God, you have grown your church. You have made your name and your fame great on the earth. And the world cannot shut us down so long as we are faithful to the word, so long as we are preaching this message. So God, pray for our church that we would have the boldness to proclaim you to others, to proclaim the good news of Jesus, that he saves them, that he is their savior, that there is no political savior, there is no idol, no other earthly pleasure that will offer what you can offer and give to us, God. So Lord, I, I pray for our congregation. I pray that your word is heard and that you are glorified today. And Lord, may this word be nourishing to us. May it be far better than any bread. 
Lord, we glorify you and lift up your name. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.